0: Before we begin our Torah study, let's take a moment to pray. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week we read in Torah about Korach, a notorious and infamous Levite, whose uh, name is associated with rebellion and with destruction. But I want to take you beyond uh, that infamy in order to show you the power of God to distinguish between what is evil and what is good, and the way that God can work to, to show his mercy and his kindness to those who with sincerity come to him, acknowledging their guilt and confessing their sin and receiving his cleansing. And I want to remind you something about some things about Yeshua. He talked often about the kingdom of God. And he told us so many things about how to cultivate a healthy relationship with God, how to relate to God's authority, and how to live in a way that is an expression of our trust in him and our confidence in him as well. We need his guidance and his insights to have a healthy relationship. We're living in a world that's broken and damaged. Can we confirm that? And people are broken and damaged too. I I think you know that. But inside of us is this hope for something better, and we're hoping for something that can fix what's broken in our lives and in the world around us. And I want to tell you something, this hope this yearning that we have is actually connected to faith in God and to having a healthy relationship with God. This yearning, this hope can only be realized fully with a healthy relationship with the Lord. It's not enough to be religious because you can be religious and have an unhealthy relationship with God. And it's not enough to to try to separate yourself from hypocrisies because you you can find hypocrites everywhere. The hope that we have is actually directly connected to Messiah. It's a messianic hope that the Jewish people have been carrying and that is meant not just for the Jewish people, but for the whole world. It's a hope for healing, and for repair. And all of us who are disciples of Yeshua have this hope inside of us, and we have a responsibility to nurture this hope and to live with this hope. It's a hope for redemption. It's a hope for renewal. It's a hope for restoring what's broken. It's a hope for bringing back what is lost. And you could say it's a prophetic hope. Many of Israel's prophets have expressed this hope, including the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah declared that God wants to do good for the people who are living in sorrow and trouble. And we believe that this is more fully realized through Messiah Yeshua. We take to heart what God has done for us through Messiah. And I can tell you this with real confidence. When our hearts are open to Yeshua, our lives are transformed. Through Yeshua the Messiah, we can experience the good news that Isaiah spoke about. And it's important, it's important to recognize that Yeshua's message of good news is connected to Isaiah's message of good news. That's what Yeshua declared. And it's described in Luke chapter 4. And so you can turn there or flip there or... What's the correct term when it's on your phone and you want to tap it? <laughs> You can find out how to get there somehow. Luke chapter 4, verse 17 is where we're going to start, just look at a few verses. It was a Shabbat morning in Nazareth that we're reading about. Yeshua was in synagogue on that Saturday morning because that's where he was on Saturday mornings. He had the habit of going to synagogue. And during the synagogue service back then, just like nowadays, there was a time to read from Torah and Haftorah, And on that particular Shabbat, Yeshua is reading from the Haftorah portion. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And by the way, All of you who are participating in the Torah service today and reading, and all of you who participate in this fantastic ministry, I hope you're encouraged by this because you're following Yeshua's example. What does it mean to be messianic? It means to follow the way of Messiah. And so Luke, chapter 4, verse 17, the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to Yeshua, and he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. And understand this, in in the scrolls, there were not chapters and verses. You had to look at the the parchment and see for yourself what it was saying. But for us, it's Isaiah 61, verse 18. And he unrolled the scroll. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Undoubtedly, this was a Spirit-filled Shabbat service in Nazareth. And Yeshua read that, And he told everyone in synagogue that Isaiah's prophecy was becoming reality right then and there. The good news is being brought into fullness, he was saying. And so he was saying that Isaiah saw this, and he wrote about it, and now it's happening. Remember the context, though. Rome is occupied. Israel. Israel is not a free country. It's not an easy place to be in such circumstances. And not only that, the Jewish people are divided at that time. We have a modern saying, two Jews, three opinions. Well, there are a lot of different kinds of Jews at that time and a lot of different opinions. But Yeshua was declaring something. He was saying, it is time for the favor of the Lord to be revealed. Every one of us who is a disciple of Yeshua is actually called to embrace this good news. The good news of Messiah works together with the good news of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because through Messiah... And with the Holy Spirit, God is overturning the damage and the brokenness in people's lives. And that's why it's so important for us to keep our hearts open. Because it's necessary to have open hearts in order to cultivate a relationship with God. And when I talk about having an open heart, I mean being open to receive what is in God's heart. Open to receive what's in the heart of Yeshua. And whenever we take to heart Yeshua's words, it will make us strong, and it will make us stronger. Yeshua often spoke about the kingdom of God, the authority of God, and the benefits that come from a healthy relationship with God. The kingdom of God is not just a synonym for heaven or the afterlife. It's also an expression of what god can do now everyone who follows yeshua can have benefits hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this without faith it is impossible to please god faith means trusting god and knowing that he is trustworthy and then responding by living faithfully with Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him, those who earnestly seek Him. And that seeking is... is sincere seeking. It's seeking by seeking. It's not just thinking about it. It's actually doing it, seeking him. Now, what are some of the rewards? Forgiveness It's one of the rewards. Redemption, healing, restoration. And these are the benefits that are directly connected to the yearning and the hope that we have for something better. Have you ever done something that you regret Anybody besides me? Who hasn't, really? We've all done things that we regret. And what's beautiful is to be able to clean that up, to clean that up at the human level, but to clean it up also with the Lord. And if you ever have had that experience of getting into some kind of trouble and, and you're so desperate, you, you call out to God and you make promises to him. Lord, if you do this, then I'll... Is that familiar to anybody else? And then the Lord does it and then you're left to pay up. Pay up, pal. But we've got this yearning We've got this yearning for something more and it will only be satisfied by developing a healthy relationship with God. Hearts that are open to the Lord and lives that are committed to the Lord are foundations and building blocks for the good life and if somebody tells you otherwise, they're selling you a bill of goods. The greatest commandment, after all, is Listen to the Lord and then love Him with all your heart, soul, and strength. Now, let's be clear. Wayward hearts will lead us down a very wide path that was never meant for us and is not good for us. Wayward hearts will lead us astray. But hearts that are open, hearts that are open to the Lord, will be led down a narrow path, but it's the path that is meant for us, it's just right for us, and it's good for us. And Mishpochah, I want you to think about something. Before you were conceived, before you were knitted together in side of your mother. Before you were born, God had good things in mind for you. He had purposes for you to fulfill. He had ways he wants to use you to bring about good for you and for others. And let's be clear, it's not necessarily an easy path. I could say it another way. It's not always an easy path. Sometimes it's quite difficult. Michelle told me, about the time when he was eight years old and he was with family in Munich when the Olympic terrorists, is the Olympic terrorists, yeah, killed so many of the Israeli and Jewish people. And it was a time of weeping and sorrow and a question, are the enemies of Israel still committed to killing us? Michelle never forgot that. And I believe that when he was eight, the Lord gave him that experience and he's nurtured it. He's nurtured the life that he's now able to do the good work that God wants him to do to establish this memorial on behalf of his family and the Lord and the Jewish community and the Jews of Germany. God knows how to connect the things of our childhood and even the things before we were born that he has in mind for us to do. Yeshua said that there was a narrow path, and it leads to life, and not everyone finds it. Isaiah said something similar, there is a highway called the way of holiness, and the unclean will not travel it, only those who walk in the way, and fools will not stray onto it. It involves difficult choices, it involves ongoing commitments, but our hearts are yearning to be on that path and i'm convinced that contentment and a sense of fulfillment are connected to all of this and it requires of us that we have faith in god and that we also willingly try to bring clean hearts to the lord in second timothy chapter 2 verse 21 paul gives some instruction to his protege He says, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will become a vessel for honor, sanctified, made holy, and I like this phrase, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So there's this cleansing process that we go through, and and most of us can tell stories about how becoming clean before God And maintaining that clean heart is important. King David prayed it this way. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Because the process involves our heart, it involves our soul, it involves our spirit. But look at the benefits that that Paul is telling Timothy about. We become useful to the master. And we're ready to be used for every good work. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Messiah to do good works, which God has prepared long ago for us, for our path and for our life. Before we were born, God was thinking about the good he could do for us and through us, for the sake of others. And with that in mind, consider the story of Korah and the rebellion he led. It's in this week's Torah portion. Korach was a Levite, but his heart was wayward, and it led him astray, and he became the leader of many who went astray. In Numbers chapter 16, we read about Korach, his rebellion against Moses and Aaron, and his rebellion against the Lord. And it happened at a time of incredible vulnerability when the children of Israel were extremely disheartened about the bad report of the ten spies who had gone to the promised land. And they came back with such discouraging force that the hope of the people and the faith of the people were wrecked. Many people, in fact, wanted to just give up they wanted to go back to Egypt, and some of them said, Egypt, ah, that was the land flowing with milk and honey. But the rebellion of Korah was so dangerous and such a threat to the future of the children of Israel that God dealt with the rebel leader severely. The earth opened up and it swallowed most of them. Some were consumed by heavenly fire and a plague killed thousands who had joined in the rebellion. And as a result, the name Korach became associated with rebellion and death. In fact, in the New Testament, Jude or uh, Judah lumps Korach together with Cain and Balaam, or Balaam, three infa- infamous men. Cain, everyone knows, he killed his brother. He murdered his brother, Balaam. A prophet for hire, he received money to curse Israel. And Korah, the leader of the rebellion that brought death and destruction. Now, as we read this week, some of the key leaders with Korah not only lost their lives, their entire family line was destroyed at the same time, wiped down. And that's important background to what I want to focus on next. It's not the rebellion itself, it's not the harm that it did. I want to focus on this that God would later use the family of Korah in very surprising ways, in excellent ways, to bless the children of Israel and even to bless us, the sons of Korah, the descendants of Korah actually include noteworthy people who walked faithfully with God. And I'll give just two examples. The prophet Samuel and the psalmist Asaph. The prophet Samuel was used to establish King David, through whom would come the promised Messiah. So you could say that the hope of Messiah is connected to the prophet Samuel and the good works that he did. And the psalmist Asaf is one of the descendants of Korach. In fact, many of the psalms were composed by the sons of Korach. And when we say sons, what we mean are the descendants of Korach. And Korach was infamous because of the wicked rebellion, but his psalm-writing descendants are remembered differently. Why? Because they cleanse their hearts. They came from a troubled family background, but they stepped back and away from that, and they became free, they broke free, and they experienced forgiveness. And many of the Psalms of the sons of Korah express their appreciation for God's forgiveness. They experienced mercy and redemption and restoration. And, you know, through that, I think we can learn ourselves that we can overcome bad family history. You don't have to just think that you're trapped because of the sins of your ancestors. There's one psalm, Psalm 85, that expresses the deep ways that the descendants of Korach were changed. They were cleansed of what was dishonorable, They were made useful to the Master, to the Lord. They were able to walk on the path, the narrow path. They were able to fulfill the good purposes and good works that had long ago been planned by God for them. And so we're going to read this. It's just a few verses, and it will help us see the mercy of God. And as we're reading this, I want you to take notice of all the references to redemption and restoration and forgiveness. Psalm 85, in the Hebrew, which we're referring to, it says, For the music director, a psalm of the sons of Korah." So they're not hiding who they are. And here's the reason. They've been redeemed. They have turned their hearts to the Lord in a way that Korah never really did. Starting in verse 1 Lord, you showed favor to your land. That's important to remember because the rebellion of Korah was also a uh, mutiny meant to take the children of Israel back to Egypt rather than to the promised land. they're declaring. You showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the guilt of your people. You covered all their sin, said Allah, You withdrew all your fury. You turned away from your burning anger. Restore us, God of our salvation, and cause your indignation toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show your mercy. Show us your mercy, Lord. Grant us your salvation. Verse 8, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. For he will speak shalom to his people, to his godly ones. May they not turn back to foolishness. Verse 9, Certainly his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Verse 10, Graciousness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth sprouts from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. Indeed, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its produce. And it ends with this statement. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. These sons of Korah were not destroyed. God had plans for them, and they agreed with the plans, and they took time to cleanse themselves of what was dishonorable. And they became a blessing to the Lord, a blessing to Israel, and through their psalms, which we can read today, they're a blessing to us. They saw the evil of their father and his band. They separated themselves from their wickedness, They broke away from their father's wickedness and they chose to trust God and to be faithful to God, and they broke free. They chose for themselves the way of God. They acknowledged guilt. They received forgiveness. They experienced cleansing and restoration and mercy and redemption. They experienced God's mercy, and this gave their family line a fresh start. And they sang about it. Then, and their psalms teach us now to be thankful for God's great mercy. And you might have thought that the judgment against Korah and his re- rebels was, was so severe that his family line would disappear. But that's not what happened. Numbers twenty six eleven says it so clearly. The line of Korah, however, did not die out. So, Michelle, we can say even the Levites need cleansing and mercy. We do. We do. And we can declare this. Now, we'll close with this. In the Britach HaRashah, the New Testament, Jude writes clearly about the hope that we have in Messiah. It's in verse 24. It's a, it's a letter that has no chapters, really, now to the one who can keep you from falling. Another way of saying it is, Now to the one who can keep you when you fall. And set you without defect and full of joy in the presence of His Shekhinah. To God alone, our Deliverer through Yeshua the Messiah, our Lord, be glory and majesty and power and authority before all time, now now and forever. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us freedom in Messiah. Thank you because we're not trapped in the troubles of our past. We're not stuck in bad family legacies. Your love and your redemption and your mercy and your forgiveness through Messiah are powerful, and you make us into new creations, and we thank you. And we turn away from all that is dishonorable, and we turn to you, and we open our hearts to you, Lord, and the hope you give us in Messiah. Teach us to number our days, Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen.